very little emotion as he lost 6-4, 6-2 and 6-2 on the second day of the Melbourne tournament. He, a five-time finalist, failed to reach the second round for only the second time in his past 13 appearances. And that is your Capital FM Sports Update. Make sure to experience Africa's biggest tournament with all 52 games live and in HD. Enjoy expert commentary and the finest analysis to keep you in the game. Live your pride. Capital FM. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to this edition of Global Digest in the year 2024. Um, it's the first time that we are broadcasting live from our new Two, stu- two Rivers studios. Um, the last time that we had a conversation of this nature, it was at our Londra House studios. Um, we say Karibu, and of course, it's the usual panel um, of Davis Ayega, um, Irene Mwangi, and of course, myself, Laban Wanambisi. Um, gentlemen and lady. <laughs> Uh, would you like to have opening remarks? Ladies first, I insist, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> really don't have much to say uh, mm-hmm. prior to that conversation, but it's it's good to be here. It's mm-hmm. good to start um, uh, this particular conversation at the beginning of the year. Uh, hopefully we'll keep up with the momentum in um, debunking the political issues here in the country. Okay. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to have uh, Global Digest once more again this year in 2024. We certainly do hope that uh, it will be a year full of uh, debunking, just like Irina said, and digesting <laughs> a lot of issues which are happening here locally, regionally, and globally. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, Karibuni. And one of the things, of course, that um, our political scene and indeed the global uh, scene has has not failed us in is giving us a lot of content that we can be digesting. Um, starting with, of course, locally, the the um, the push and pull between the executive and the judiciary um, internationally. One of the things that we'll be discussing, of course, is that. Um, half of the world's population will be going to the polls in that we'll have the US, we'll have Russia, we'll have India going to the polls this year, a significant year indeed. But in order to put everything into context, one of the, the, the first conversation we are going to have, of course, is in regards to the judiciary versus executive. Of course, everyone knows President Ruto has been making um, allegations that some um, some some people in the judiciary are more or less uh, making his uh, his development agenda uh, very difficult to to achieve through their injunctions. And the latest development is, of course, um, the deputy president saying he will be he will be filing a petition in court. Davis, if you were to be asked, do you think there is anything worth, is there anything um, that we should be expecting from the petition that the Deputy President will be making in on Thursday? Before I talk about the petition, I think it is very important to note that it was a matter of time before Kenyans got to be treated to this tough force between the executive and the judiciary. 
Clearly, President William Bruto is reneging on his promise to uphold the independence of the judiciary during the campaigns and the Kenya Kwanzaa Alliance Manifesto is clearly detailed on how they promised Kenyans that once they get into power, they will be able to uphold the they will be able to respect the independence of the judiciary and obey court orders. But one year later, one year and some months later, this has now epitomized and become something else. We've seen the president being very vocal about his attacks on the judiciary, on how some of the judges are playing so hard to undermine his uh, government's projects. Key, 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 key. One of them being uh, the housing agenda and the health agenda that his administration is pushing is pushing for. So during this period, uh, the Chief Justice Martha Kome, who heads the judiciary, has also been very vocal, but not as vocal as her predecessor, uh, Emeritus David Maraga, uh, has been very vocal in pushing the executive to come up with evidence to prove that some of the judges are indeed corrupt, as some of the members of the executive are alleging. And yesterday, as you've, as you've correctly put it, the Deputy President, Rigati Gashagwa, came out and said on Thursday this week at 2.15 p.m., he'll be tabling, he'll be filing a petition against one of the judges, anti-corruption judge Esther Miner. So clearly, this is something that Kenyans are eagerly awaiting for to see the details containing in that petition but yesterday he said that it is in regards to the case that he had before he became the deputy president about yeah. the 201 million shillings case that uh, the judge had uh, frozen so i think at this point in time it is very important for the executive to be very intentional about these attacks they shouldn't be just misguided attacks on the judiciary pointing fingers at the judiciary on their failures so this is one of the things that they need to draw a key line at, at the, they need to draw a line so that kenyans are not uh, hoodwinked that uh, we are not performing the government is not performing because of the judiciary mm -hmm. but where do you go when you feel like the judiciary the judiciary is not is not on your side or the judiciary is biased in courts where do you go um usually if we have a, a dispute we'll go to the judiciary but where do i go if i feel the judiciary is not on my side or is is playing to your side i think what is happening at the moment is misguided attacks from the from from members of the executive led by president william bruto <coughs> In the event that the executive feels aggrieved, and this one the Chief Justice Martha Kome has advised them mm -hmm. uh, comprehensively, they need to file petitions at the Judicial Service Commission pinpointing the specific judges that they are targeting, that they are claiming or rather alleging that these judges are indeed corrupt or their character is... Uh, they are not fit for office. So the Judicial Service Commission is one of the areas that the executive need to exploit as opposed to attacking the judiciary on the public because what the attacks are doing, in the, in the long term, these attacks will end up injuring the reputation of the judiciary and uh, Kenyans will have uh, the confidence that Kenyans do have on the judiciary will decline. Mm -hmm. And this will ultimately affect the country's democracy because we'll see Kenyans, other Kenyans, disregarding court orders. So this is one of the precedent, really, we don't want to slide into as a country. Mm -hmm. Irene, is, is there, do you get the feeling probably that 
the president is cherry picking or the executive is cherry picking um when it says the judiciary is is against is against it yeah, i think to a very large extent and i was really disappointed by the deputy president regarding shagwa when the first petition um, he intends to present before the judicial service commission entails a case that he had um concerning the 202 million the first petition that uh, the kenya kwanza um regime should uh, prepare to present before jsc is the petition showing how the three judge bench um solicited for bribes for for them to um rule in favor in those two flagship projects that is the affordable um housing project as well as the universal healthcare that they have not come out to give out evidence that indeed um uh, we are having external forces um interfering with um these two uh, critical cases it just goes to show that it's just political rhetorics with the president having all the intelligence that that uh, we have in the country that he receives reports from the national intelligence service he knows that indeed um if indeed um the judges were bribed then he should have information now for him to sustain the attack saying that um he will disobey court orders on those two particular cases yet it is this same court that upheld his victory and when he got into power he said that he would uh, protect the constitution as well as uphold the rule of law mm-hmm. it then now begs the question what is happening right now that now because um they're not ruling in your favor in those two projects which again uh, when you look at into what the court is saying is that given that parliament um seems to be um taken over by the executive mm-hmm. in the way in in the way they vote it goes to show that a lot of vague laws might be um finding their way passing through parliament and now we need judiciary to put it to a stop therefore for the president to have the big man syndrome to say because they're not ruling in my favor in those two particular cases yeah. then uh, they can go to hell i'm not going to to um follow the court orders i mean it's uh, the greatest um hypocrisy we have seen yet in the kenya kwanza administration mm-hmm. I, th- i think the biggest sorry i think the biggest concern here is is the president hellbent on weakening the judiciary i think that is the most important question we should be asking ourselves and kenyans as a whole because when he came into power just like irene has mentioned the president was very vocal about protecting and upholding the rule of the law but one year and some months later he's doing completely different as to what he promised because a court ruling a, a court issued a ruling which is unfavorable to his administration remember when he came into power he promised the judiciary he will do a lot of funding he'll, he'll fund the judiciary he will uh, appoint judges which, which he did yes. during the early days of his tenure mm-hmm. but now are we seeing a scenario where the judiciary will be underfunded because they are making unfavorable decisions yesterday mm-hmm. the senator samson cherarge you, you had him spoke of you had him uh, spoke of uh, speaking of um, underfunding the judiciary and diverting some of those funds to to go to the cdf so i think that's one of the issues that we should be wary as kenyans those are ra- red flags question <laughs> that would more or less come up is the president a person who doesn't like to hear the two two word uh the two letters no 
I think I think I think yes because when you look at how he's managing parliament he's finding it a bit difficult to manage the judiciary he's having a smooth sail in parliament and, and on the front of the judiciary he's finding it very difficult to manage the judiciary so i think that is one of the issues that is making him to be angry mm-hmm. that is as much as yes his government is providing funds to the judiciary is already appointed these judges like he promised but now they're not reciprocating the favor by at least siding or rather supporting some of his government projects. But if you actually look at the sorry Irene, if you actually look at the housing um the housing levy um ruling, they actually give him a lifeline. They give the government a lifeline. They say yes, there are certain things that we have found wrong, but we are giving you time to go and and put it in order. If you look at the housing bill which is which should um, the the parliamentary um, committee should be starting public hearings on Wednesday again they are trying to put stuff in order so is it a, um, if you look at the health um, the health uh, amendments the 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 courts only put an injunction suspensions until they 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 conclude hearings so is it just that the president is just jumping the gun and even even if you to just look at the whole conversation really if you just did what the court told you you'd be in line with everything else i'm inclined to believe this is a well choreographed strategy that uh, is 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 geared is geared at making the judiciary to 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 bend the knee and at some point weaken because when you hear some of these leaders speak that the attacks directed at the judiciary are so bad to the point that I am I'm 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 imagining some of the judges while making their rulings now going forward they'll be making the rulings based on the government side at least they don't want to uh, be at loggerheads with the government especially president william ruto so when you hear the president speak day in day out about his attacks on on the judiciary and some of the top uh, government officials this is a strategy that is well choreographed to to weaken the judiciary mm-hmm. in the long term so it is up to chief justice martha kome to stand firm and defend what the judiciary and the staff of the judiciary are doing Adrian. i think um, the president is not um, the person to take um, no for an answer because even di- if indeed um, the courts um, gave directions onto the unconstitutionality of um, the provisions of the housing bill as well as the universal health uh, coverage the, pro- the the four bills um given that he's having a smooth sail in parliament it should shouldn't be a struggle for him to go back and do the the, the required changes uh i've heard the chief justice uh, mother come minutes ago said uh, say that they'll have talks with president william ruto to sort of of iron the differences uh between the, the two arms of government and i felt like Okay um having talks is one way of solving these particular issues but then again it 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 can go um the wrong way in terms of bending the procedure yes. if the president who is not above the law has any complaints uh, uh, concerning any particular judge he should file a petition which should be presented to JSC and now th- for the things to propel so f- for uh, CJ Kome to say um, I'll have talks with the president I don't think that's the the right route to take on this particular issue it they'll be intimidated even more it kind of feels like the CJ was tr- is trying to juggle to um t- 
two balls in, in the air. Because in that statement, there's that part where she's saying she'll have a conversation with the with the executive. But on another on another hand, she's saying we cannot al- we cannot allow a situation whereby the um, the executive or anyone else seems to be saying I will not obey court orders and it's a clip that um, Davis played on his news maybe we can hear that they will no longer obey court orders and the subsequent actual defiance of the orders granted by the courts are untenable and amount to contempt of court and if this course is around to continue unabated. We are on the precipice of a constitutional crisis that can lead to untold civil strife. The judiciary and the judicial service commission cannot countenance this. The one thing that, uh, unfortunately, that the CJ has always been accused of is she she does not she does not come out too forceful like her predecessors i think i think she needs to get some notes from uh, her predecessor david maraga who was very passionate about defending the judiciary especially when uh, the former president uhuru kenyatta was always always disturbing his peace in matters funding underfunding the judiciary and that emanated from the court ruling that annulled his election back in 2017 mm-hmm. So I think for Chief Justice, the current one, Martha Kome, she needs to come out strongly. She needs to be conspicuous about defending the judiciary. She needs to be very insistent on asking the executive to table the evidence, especially against the judges, the judges who have ruled against the government, mm. like uh, Irene mentioned. So for Rigadi Gashagua, uh, purporting that he has some evidence against uh, Judge Esther Minor which he will present on Thursday. I think this is one of the ways that the executive is trying so hard to prove something that is not even there. Mm-hmm. But we wait and see. Um, Irene, I'll put that question back to you also. Do you think there's anything to hang on? Or is it going to be another case of what the Supreme Court said? It's hot air. <laughs> uh, for... Um the deputy president regarding Kashago, they, they, there might be something there in terms of when we look into these particular cases that were filed by the former DCI, Judge Kinoti, a lot of accusations had come up of, uh, from the Office of the Director of Public Prosecution that the cases were filed without any substantial evidence to the extent that they were seen as a, some sort of state capture. If indeed that was true, then... Um, Justice Minor might find uh, herself on the wrong side of the law if indeed he did not grant Gashagwa's counsel uh, time to defend themselves. But you know the way politicians can be. When you go, when you go to the court of law and the registry, you, you realize that indeed there was nothing of that particular sort. Mm-hmm. He was just you know, trying to have uh, an easy uh, political bite in a church function that was in Elgeo Marakwet. The unfortunate thing, Irene, for the deputy president is he has given himself a tag, mm-hmm. a label that he walks around with, reminding people that he is the truthful man. So he cannot be the truthful man who on Thursday at 2.15 will not show up at Minimani Registry with truthful facts. He will indeed show up, but it's not upon him to, to weigh the um, whether this particular evidence has the truth. It has to go through a certain process of the Judicial Service Commission. Mm-hmm. Until then, 
should we now say that indeed um, Gashago is a man of, of truth in this particular uh, uh, corruption case. But for now, knowing the pol how politicians can be, you, you cannot say that him being a truthful man, quote unquote, then uh, Justice Maina should um, start packing because um, the evidence that will be tabled against her will uh, definitely um, take her home. So until the case is processed by the JSC, mm. it's, a, it's a wait and see situation because um, this particular uh, regime has a personal vendetta. And that particular case is not a, a civil case per se. It was um, a criminal, criminal case. Yes. So, And it involved the deputy president. So he can say anything to, to put uh, himself out, out there in, in good light. So until JSC processes this particular petition, mm -hmm. it's a wait and see. The interesting thing about this case is I have I have listened to the deputy president at another function praising the courts for refusing to play ball to the former regime, stating basically that when the when the case was brought before the courts, the courts saw there was nothing in this in this in this case in this case and decided that it should be heard after the elections. So it's going to be interesting. That's why I'm, I'm asking. Are we just, was it just a game of, of words and come Thursday we will be told because the clip also that the deputy president um, we played for the deputy president kind of said he is inviting other Kenyans who have um, um, grievances against Judge Esther Minor to come and also submit their petitions. So maybe he's riding on other people to also help him out. But uh, Showing up, like Irina has mentioned, showing up, uh, the DP will show up. So it will up to it will be how this now will play out will mm. be entirely will entirely be pegged on how the Judicial Service Commission under the leadership of Martha Kome how they will handle this issue. Mm -hmm. So I think Kome, when it comes to messaging, she needs to be very intentional and clear on how some of these petitions will be handled and what exactly is contained in these petitions. She needs to make that public. Let's look at what what happens during that process of um, trying to remove a judge in uh, the, of, any, of any appointment. So you're supposed to petition the JSC. That is, that is an independent way out. If the JSC substantiates the, the, the allegations, they're supposed to pass it on to the president. The president is supposed to appoint a tribunal. I'm seeing a, a very big problem there. In the sense that the judge, the JSC already is is saying we we don't we don't accept what you're trying to do, and the president is insisting there are bad apples among you, and I can mention them. I think before we get there to that uh, tricky situation is that the president needs to tone down and the chief justice Martha Kome needs to be needs to be firm and passionate about her job in defending the judiciary. So once that happens, I think we will not foresee this difficult situation where the JC will get to defend their own. Mm -hmm. They will not get to pass the name for prosecution and for subsequent removal or, uh, or, or, or or being led to stay. So I think the president here needs to tone down. He needs to tell his lieutenants, let judiciary do its job. If you have a complaint against any of the judges, just follow due process.
once the once the attacks on the media ceases, I think it will be very it will be very conducive for the two arms of government to work. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, CJ Kome should also admit that indeed they are rogue and um, corrupt um, judges within judiciary because it's something which um, she has failed to admit that indeed this is the situation. His predecessors, um, Maraga and um, Mutunga, admitted that it's really a big problem and uh, they're having an issue in terms of protecting the impartiality of judiciary. Mm-hmm. But with that said, there's a catch-22 in the case where the president complains about a judge mm-hmm. because the president is forming the tribunal. So from that particular aspect, the people he will appoint to form this particular tribunal might be aligned to what the president wants to the extent that the impartiality of this particular tribunal might not uh, be upheld. And that's now is the problem. I don't know why the constitution did not foresee a situation where the president is a complainant Mm -hmm. and he's a a player in this particular process. It's it's, it's really a catch-22 situation there. Some people will actually argue will actually argue it out that maybe this takes us back to the whole BBI um, argument, whereby there was a proposal to have a, 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 a the ombudsman appointed, unfortunately, by the president. <laughs> this person would have been the one person where everyone would have run to have in case, messier. yeah, yeah, in case you feel like uh, I have not been given. I've not been given my 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 day in court in in courts. I think our only consolation presently is that we need to have different voices and here by different voices I mean the opposition they need to be very vocal about the need for the judiciary's independence to be respected and uphold. Now this is where as mere leader Raila Odinga and his team need to come in. They need to be very vocal about uh, the judiciary being uh, being being left alone to do its job and serve Kenyans diligently because once we sway into the path of disrespecting and disobeying court orders then trust you me we are moving into anarchy and with that we take a break it's seven o'clock and you're listening to 98.4 capital FM with KCP Punk from corporates to small businesses, entrepreneurs to individual, KCB opens the door of opportunity to everyone. KCB Bank for people for better. The best mix of music, Capital and welcome back to Global Digest with uh, the usual panel of myself, Laban Wanambisi, Davis Ayaga, and Irene Mwangi. And we pick up from where Davis kind of left off, mentioning the, r- the opposition or Azimio. And one of the things that usually comes up whenever a sitting government kind of seems like it's losing its footing is people start talking about what they will do next or people start asking what what is the alternative government doing? Now, in this case, the alternative government, a.k.a. Azimio, are more or less um, looking at what to do in 2027. And one of the things that uh, struck uh, the headlines last week was 
the meeting between um, Azimio leader Raila Odinga and Jimmy Wanjigi. Of course, these two guys, these two gentlemen have been um, friends for a long time, and every time they've come together, people have always said they're up to something. Davis. I think the politics, the, the political dynamic of 2027 politics is very complex and very unpredictable presently owing to a very, to a myriad of issues considering that uh, President William Ruto is also seeking to retain that seat. And uh, the big question here we should be asking ourselves, will Azimio coalition be still alive? when we get to 2027, mm -hmm. having uh, witnessed uh, what the previous coalition, opposition coalitions have been, uh, in the past have disintegrated into. So it will be a question of uh, the unity of Azimio and how they will be able to sustain it until 2027, considering the former Prime Minister Raila Odinga has not formally declared that he's ready to retire from active politics. So mm -hmm. clearly, he's an active contender when it comes to the 2027 presidential election. And then here we have Waipa leader Kalonzo Musioka, who is also eyeing the same seat. And then as of, uh, is it the weekend? We saw DAP Kenya party leader Eugene Wamalwa mm -hmm. also declaring his intention to succeed President William Ruto in the 2027 poll. So I think Azimio, it is high time for the Azimio coalition to learn the lessons of 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 of, of unity in a coalition. Because if everybody is declaring inter interest for the 2027 election, there is high chances that uh, the coalition will disintegrate. The leaders will decide to go their own ways, go to their own individual respective parties, mm -hmm. and start their campaigns from there. And and let us not forget this. Let us not forget this. There is also that aspect of the former president Uhuru Kenyatta, who is the chairperson and patron of the Azimio coalition, and. Uh, Recently, when he was involved in the party, we saw reports that he was uh, against that report, which was compiled by the National Dialogue team. Mm -hmm. So these are very clear indications that all is not well in the Azimio coalition. And uh, it is now up to them to decide if they want to unite or disengage. Yes. Irene. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that I know we we've we've ruled it out in a past episode, yeah. or is it possible to have a Raila, a, a Raila making his sixth stab at the presidency? Definitely, um, you, you have seen uh, what Raila Odinga is doing. He, he, he's he has not come out to politically um, to openly declare that he will vie in twenty twenty seven. But the actions that he's been taking in terms of the ODM recruitment drive, which um, uh, builds a momentum mm -hmm. ahead of any general election, it goes to show that he will be a key political player come 2027. Either he will run as the sixth president of Kenya or be a kingmaker. Mm -hmm. um, Raila is, the, is sort of an active politician compared to maybe Waipa leader Kalonzo Musioka. I've seen Musioka declare that I will be um, the solid candidate to unseat um, President William Ruto, but there's nothing that he's, he's come out to do in, term, in terms of um, making sure that Raipa Party is a robust party and a national party. But you've seen ODM parties quite active. Even before, mm -hmm. they declare that they will be key cont contenders in the 2027 general election. So o Odinga is shaping up 
for 2027 mm -hmm. and you'll give it to him that it ha um, he has all it takes in terms of the financial muscle, in terms of um, popularity compared to Waipalida Kalonzo Musioka. Waipalida Kalonzo Musioka, even as he says he fits to unseat President William Bruto, he has the charisma across the country, but he lacks the financial muscle. He lacks uh, the political uh, machinery and um, Waipa party cannot be taunted as a national party. But Irene, all those points that you've put across are the same things that we were told in, in 2002. And look at the person who's sitting at in, in State House and look at the person who took us to to Mandamano claiming that his victory has been lost has been stolen. But we cannot compare President William Bruto to Waipa leader Kalonzo no, Musioka. No, I'm just saying, mm -hmm. yes, look at the arguments that you've put across are the same arguments that were that were used to tell Kalonzo Musioka back uh, Raila Odinga. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you're going to put the same arguments in in twenty twenty seven or in the run up to twenty twenty seven don't you see that there, there is also a likelihood that's that you will have voter fatigue, that someone will look at it and say the sixth time? Exactly, exactly. And before Irene responds, mm -hmm. the doubt and the dilemma that the Raila diehard fans are having is that we had the support of an incumbent president in the last, in the last election, but our party leader, our man, never emerged victorious. So what will make it, what will... What miracle will, will happen in 2027 that Raila Odinga for the sixth time will clinch the presidency and beat the incumbent, President William Ruto, who already he has set in plan motions, according to the opposition, to have a favorable team at the Independent Electoral Boundaries Commission. So what miracle, Irene, will happen? I'm not saying Raila Odinga will win in 2027. What I'm saying is, Waipolida Kalonzo Musioka is not the man to unseat President William Bruto. Yes, but and what I'm, what, what I'm foreseeing, what okay. I'm foreseeing uh -huh. ahead of 2027, okay. given that um, pre, uh, the former President Uhuru Kenyatta has said that, has, has intimated that he will be um, um, closely following up on 2027 general election, in the case that Raila Odinga and Waipolida Kalonzo Musioka will vie, mm -hmm. President, uh, former President Uhuru Kenyatta will back um, ODM leader Raila Odinga. Mm -hmm. Waipa Kalonzo Musioka does not have the stamina to um, run for that election alone if he has no um, bona fide uh, political machinery as well as the financial muscle. So what I'm foreseeing is he will jump ship to join the President William Bruto bandwagon. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying uh, Odinga will win, but should we uh, uh, decide to raise the stakes and see whether Kalonzo will unseat William Bruto, even with the issue of high high, high taxation and the issue of uh, uh, high taxation and the issue of high cost of living, uh, Kalonzo does not have the stamina to unseat President William Bruto. I Bruto will have to go for a ten year term. I think shifting allegiance I think shifting allegiance for Kalonzo Musioka it's a bit too late. He've never shifted in the last elections, especially at a time when he was assured mm. that he will be the National Assembly speaker if he had shifted. Him shifting now or even in the nearby future, it will be him declaring my political life is over. Because for the longest time, Kalonzo Musioka has been likened to being a watermelon, who does not have who does not have a, a stand on issues that affect Kenyans. But l let's remember, uh, Kalonzo Musioka has been out um, in the cold for a very long time since 2013, mm -hmm. 
and given that he's seeing a situation whereby it, it will only remain five years and, and, and Ruto will be out and maybe there are chances if he joins the Ruto bandwagon, he, he might be the, the successor if, that I, if it comes that, to that. That equation is very difficult because <laughs> but, but we have Rigathi Gashago, we yeah, have the yeah, Ndindinyoros of this but, world. But he, ha- he, has, he has better stakes on that particular side compared to this other side. In the event that Raila Odinga is not in the political scene, Kalonzo Musioka cannot muscle the, 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 the machinery to, to hold the, the opposition. It will be fragmented in, in different factions. So the, the stakes for him, given that um, the National Assembly seat that was t- to be given to him, it, for him he felt it's really um, a low seat for me to betray the opposition coalition. So but what he will do, he mm. will say, I supported Odinga three times. Mm-hmm. I can't support him for the fourth time. I will stand alone. And in the event he jumps ship to join um, the Kenya Konza regime, it will be a situation of, I tried my stakes in the opposition coalition. It did not work. So let me try this other side after all. So what um, position do you think he will be offered this time around? Or what position will he be asking for? Yes. I, I think I, I, uh, he might look to unseat the the, the Prime Minister, Musaleh Mudabadi, because Mudabadi has failed in terms of gaining the numbers uh, from the Western region. Wetangula has come out to be a strong candidate or kingpin for the Western region. So if we bring Kalonzo Musiak to the equation, it means then we'll have the Kamba vote. Instead of having two um, political leaders from the Luya community who are giving almost the same numbers, why not bring the Kamba community into the equation? We might win this. The the argument that the Kenya Kwanza team have always put across is their 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 equation um, equation to win elections. It n- is not based on ethnicity, where this but person is coming from. La 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 la. It is more or less based on the agenda that they are selling to the people. But that is th- that's not what happened in the 2022 general election. I know they said it was Hassel versus Dynasty, mm-hmm. but even even if you look into the numbers. Even if um, President William Ruto got a chunk of votes from political bastions of Raila Odinga, we really voted along ethnic lines, apart from the uh, Mount Kenya region. I think the I reason th- why you'd find William Ruto uh, got a huge chunk from some of the areas that Raila Odinga um, used, to, used to hold sway is mainly because he sold something that seemed to click well with that particular area in Kuale, in Kilifi, there are those things that on issue of, of land, um, do basically addressing the land issue um, in, in central province, in the central region, when he would say that he, w- he is going to bring back businesses to that area. In Mombasa, when he said, I'm going to bring the port back to this area. Issues that kind of f- people felt it it, it, it it affects me in a way. And this is where he'll fail. Come 2027, the pledges he made in 2022, he will not have accomplished. So he'll have to find a different tactic to win the votes of those particular regions. And that's where the ethnic uh, line of voting will come into place because they over-pledged. And now it's really hard for a simple issue affecting all Kenyans, like high cost of living. It's an issue that they failed to... To, to implement and, and, de- and conclusively deal with. We're so in come 2027. Yeah. yeah. You, know, to, you have to, like three years. Three to years, go. you yeah. will say that. But even during the, K- the Kibaki's regime, he was not able to um, accomplish the, the pledges he made. He had to seek a second term because, um, uh, again, it was the issue of over pledging. 
President William Ruto will find himself in, in a similar scenario. So come 2027, he'll have to look for a new political line to go back to the electorals who maybe he, he, he swayed the line of hustlers versus dynasty that will not play out um, in, I think, in that I particular think, I think, election. I think the opposition, Azimio, will have a good... Uh, they will have a field day if they get to be intact and united ahead of the 2027 election and primarily focus their campaigns on the failures of this regime. Mm-hmm. If that gets to happen, then President William Bruto will have a headache going into that election. But if there's disunity in Azimio, that plays to the advantage of President Ruto, who will, despite the failures, the over-promising and not delivering, he will have a better chance to come up with something different or not necessarily something different at that time the prices of basic commodities like maize flour will be reduced even to 50 shillings and Kenyans will forget. But Kenyans will not forget at that time Mm -hmm. if Azimio at this particular time going forward, they will sustain that agenda of reminding Kenyans that you were promised A, but you are being given B. But my question mm -hmm. will be on which demographic will be voting in 2027? When you, when you listen to what Mamamboga's and the border border drivers are saying out here, they are tired, they are struggling to make ends meet because the same things they were told, that we will lower the cost of living, they're not experiencing that because things are really skyrocketing every day. We are seeing people struggling. Even these cases of the societal issues we are witnessing currently can in a way be related to what is happening in the in the country, mm-hmm. the, the issues of the high cost of living, people struggling really to 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 attain and to 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 take breakfast, to take lunch, to take dinner. So I think here the opposition needs to play its cards well. And uh, my 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 input to that whole conversation would be for the opposition not to follow your advice and play a tribal card but actually find an agenda that will resonate well with the Kenyans at that time. Because if you decide to go the tribal way, you'll end up with another 4.6 million votes. Uh, another scenario that I'm, I'm, I'm foreseeing is that given that Ruto will, win, uh, will reap heavily from um, division of the opposition, he might decide to field um, Waipo Leader Kalonzo Musioka as a candidate in um, 2027 general election, and we have seen that previously, mm-hmm. where um, a sitting president will uh, pr- uh, will fund a campaign of a presidential candidate to ensure that they split in th- in the number of votes. So if the opposition will not have the the Kamba vote per se, they will be disadvantaged to a very great extent. Can so I ask why why did you pick on on Kalonzo Musyoka? Why not field? Why not sponsor Raila Odinga? From from from. From where I'm seeing it, Raila Odinga and um, w- President William Ruto, they are students of the same political playbook. Mm-hmm. So uh, on that particular scenario, you one cannot edge out the other. But when you look um, to Kalonzo Musioka, he somewhat appears to be a lone ranger when um, Azimio leader Raila Odinga is not o- o- on the on that political scene. Let's shift gears to Kalonzo Musioka. Yes. Kalonzo Musioka says, I will be the main rival for uh, for President William Ruto. And he actually says that the reason why I believe I'll be the main 
rival for president uh, to president William Ruto is because president William Ruto himself named me as a challenger this is this is the same president William Ruto who has disregarded him and say that if elections were to be called today mm-hmm. Kalonzo Musyoka will be home and dry at 8 a.m. Kalonzo Musyoka has the charisma across the country but he he doesn't he doesn't have the stamina to unseat a politician like president William Ruto. What do you and mean by stamina? No, what do you mean by stamina? Just for the listeners, what do you mean politically or what? <laughs> well, when I see president William Ruto and when I see as Mimi Royal Odinga, mm-hmm. they're both very calculative um, sort of politicians. But when you look into why Polida Kalonzo Musyoka, he always makes political mistakes uh, usually at the tail end of something mm-hmm. that uh, goes to undo um what he has planned which happened in the 2007 general election and also happened um in 2013 uh before you know he joined uh t- 2020 2022 mm-hmm. when he was told to step aside and allow Martha Karua to come into um the political picture even though he he was told that you know he doesn't have the numbers and and, and what have you so uh, Odinga and Ruto are very calculative and they have somewhat understood um the political mastery mm-hmm. I- in the country that's why their their political parties already are doing the mass recruitment to ensure that come 2027 they are well prepared in terms of the membership of those particular political parties what is wiper party doing currently the wiper party mm-hmm. according to um kalonzo musyoka when he gave an interview um last week he said that they should be holding a meeting on tuesday in regard to a um formulating strategies that will enable them to do a grassroots uh, recruitment drive and b take their message out but to the, the other people. the other parties are up and running the In last fact, time i checked uda attempted to do um a, a, a grassroots election and ended up canceling it the same with odm they odm, ODM right now are actually doing it, recruitment and, uh, and with their way on to april Uh, and they'll the have the election the same time uh, with um with UDA party mm-hmm. which again it's it's a political game to have them being done at the same political time due, due to the fallouts that come into place mm-hmm. these parties are already up and running if wiper party leader um, Kalonzo Musyoka has declared he will vie he cannot now start planning when the other contenders are doing what should uh, what what should prepare them for that particular general election odinga has not declared but odm party is up and running i mean for a, a, a presidential contender to be serious that he'll run and unseat a sitting president i mean there should be plans way 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 ahead and to think that he has no political machinery no does it ha- does he have the financial muscle i think i don't want to predict a particular election but let's just you know wait and see But I think as a nation we've come far we've come from a long way where we the, the issues of ethnicity dominated the political cycle especially towards the electioneering period and I think that has slo- that is slowly fading away because Kenyans Kenyans want the really issues to be dealt with they want the issues of the lowering of the cost of living they want better life better health better education so I think those are some of the issues that will play even as we head into the 2027 election which is 3 years 3 years away okay it seems davis is already into the future <laughs> <laughs> Three hours away okay uh, so we move, we shift gears um onto the regional front whereby we are also looking at how kenya um has been playing its cards um 
first of all, with the Democratic Republic of Congo, where we found ourselves in a very interesting, Kenya found itself in a very interesting uh, position, whereby it it had to defend a star it had to defend an action that was made on its own ground i e um uh, opposition leaders came and announced that they were backing um a rebel unit on kenyan ground and kenya was asked to arrest those people what is happening to us are, are we losing our foothold as a regional um a regional uh, powerhouse if i can use that word I think, as, powerhouse. I think as a country, we handled that issue well because we saw the Foreign Affairs Cabinet Secretary Musalia Mudavidi who came out and said Kenya distances itself from the comments that were made by the DRC opposition leader. He's called, I think, Nangangas. So I think his statement was quick and it was swift. And then, then later we saw the president, William Ruto, who came out and said because DRC had requested Kenya to arrest the opposition leader, but the president, William Ruto, said that we cannot arrest somebody who has merely made a statement and we can only arrest people who have criminal uh, activities or are planning to do some criminal uh, things in the country. So I think as a nation we handled, we handled the issue well because there is that issue of freedom of speech and uh, People are uh, asylum seekers are are, are are allowed are given a platform to exercise the rights that we do as a nation. Yes, yes only that they were not asylum seekers. Yes, but the the interesting thing with um, um, President Tshisekedi's um, um, demand was he kind of forgot that he actually also announced his opposition alliance in Nairobi. I think I think from his part, from his government's part, it was a knee-jerk reaction, and uh, from the way things are spiraling, I think it is high time that uh, DRC gets to realize that the bilateral ties it shares with Kenya is very critical, and I think it's it's it's, it's important for the two leaders to come together to an understanding that some of this issues are not mega as DRC is purporting them to be, because at the end of the day, DRC had the elections in December and Shishakedi was declared the victor. So I think at the moment, <coughs> presently, he should focus at his swearing-in ceremony, which is which is due in days to come. But I also think that President William Bruto's regime should um, avoid these particular diplomacy blunders, so to speak, because even before the um, opposition leaders from DS3 um, held that particular press briefing, there was intelligence that they, they were planning to do that. So from the very onset, before they even, um, uh, you know, held that uh, particular press briefing, it should have been handled at that particular point, given that we are having our troops there to um, restore sanity. It goes to um, impede um, uh, our impartiality in terms of um, restoring peace in that particular region. We have had a lot of diplomacy uh, blunders when it comes to some of these um, countries fighting, and I think maybe uh, the president should put a hold on that. Mm -hmm. I yes. think diplomatic diplomatic blunders are there that are being uh, overseen by this regime, but when you look at case by case, I think it's different. For the case of DRC, I think from where I sit, the government handled it well. But now when we look at the other cases, which mm -hmm. I think you want to, that yeah. is your next case question, yeah. the Sudan and Sudan the Somalis. Issue, yeah. I think for, for Sudan especially, I mean, for all intents and purposes, um, you have the, the military outfit 
yeah, and then you had the RSF. And the, so at one point, like, we found, Kenya found itself welcoming the RSF um, uh, leader as if he was almost a head of state. I was saying the only thing that was missing at the airport was the guard of honor. Absolutely. Yeah. They rolled out the red carpet for him. They had the interior cabinet secretary and director of intelligence going to receive him at the airport. I think mm-hmm. I think on this one President William Ruto and his entire people in the foreign office space failed him because this is the same person who has publicly declared he's ready to mediate the ongoing conflict in Sudan, President William Ruto. And now his neutrality credentials were questioned because how do you go ahead and host the RSF leader and yet you're the same person who has declared that you want to mediate in this Sudan conflict? So from the point of view of the Sudan's military government, I think... They, 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 the fault that they saw with this visit is 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 allowed, and uh, what the president did diplomatically is 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 putting him is putting his credentials at uh, at question. So I think going forward, these are some of the issues that the president and his people, especially in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, in that space, were advising him on on issues diplomatics. They need to be very careful. About. And of course, the other hot potato, the issue of um, Somalia and Somaliland and an access, uh, Ethiopia signing um, uh, uh, signing an agreement to get access to a, a port. Once again, we found ourselves, without even <laughs> asking for it, we just found ourselves in the middle of that debate. I'll, I'll speak on the positive aspect of that, and then Irene, I think, will talk about what some the northeastern members of parliament were saying about this deal. So, from where I sit, I think the deal which will which which will allow Ethiopia, a landlocked country, to have access to the Red Sea, indirectly, I think it will benefit Kenya in terms of uh, in terms of trade. Uh, talk talk about uh, of course there are other issues there are other issues of security there are other issues of uh, mostly security but when it comes to trade I think indirectly we'll be able to benefit because the Kenyan port like Mombasa the cargo volumes will increase if if Ethiopia and uh, Somaliland will be allowed to have their deal in place mm-hmm. because now this will entirely mean that uh, the, the 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 equation of Eritrea and Djibouti has been removed uh, because for the longest time Ethiopia has been relying on Eritrea and Djibouti to do their import and export trade market. So I think this is a but but Kenya has yet to Make Kenya has yet formal to formal stuff, statement. Yeah. But some Northern Kenya members of Parliament uh, were disgruntled by this deal, and I think Irene can can shed light on this. I, I think uh, of course they they were disgruntled to the extent that. Um, the Ethiopia, Ethiopian Prime Minister Abi did not um, consider um, the protocol in terms of engaging Somaliland. I think he took advantage because um, this particular nation um, wants to be recognized um, internationally as a sovereign state, which has not been the case. But now um, Ethiopia is, is offering that. But now the ripple effect of that particular agreement, given that it has not been instituted by the international organization, in this case, IGAD, EU, and also UN being part of it, is that Ethiopia is having internal issue, internal issues in terms of the conflicts between the communities there that is causing a strife. 
Now, the majority of population in Somaliland is Somalia, and the that um, um, largest community in Ethiopia is also Somalia. Now, sh yeah. So, should this agreement not work out, we'll see these um, two two countries get into um, some. I don't want to call it a war, but things will not, you know, be good between the two neighboring countries, mm -hmm. which now will affect the peace of the Horn of Africa, which we have tried to stabilize for quite a long time, given that Somalia is now getting to, to getting some form of stability. So th the complaint by the Northeastern MPs is that should the deal not work out, then we'll see an influx of refugees running away from Somaliland due to um, the war between Ethiopia and um, Somaliland, which again, will impede the efforts that, you know, Kenya, as the big brother, has been offering in terms of creating stability in the Horn of Africa. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's <laughs> one, of those, one of those days where you'd want the conversation to go. We had one more topic to go, but unfortunately, because of time constraints, we will have to end it there, but we will, come, we will be back next week. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Global Digest with myself, Laban, Davis, and Irene.